Welcome to Photo Geek Weekly, episode 174, recorded on March 30th of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Don Kamarechka, to geek out about photo stuff, uh, as we are now once again doing on a weekly basis. And I am I'm thrilled to be joined by my very good friend, Ant Pruitt. And uh, you've been on the podcast before. You're not a stranger to this audience, and nor am I to yours, but it's been a while since we've connected. How are you? Man, I am unbelievable as always. And I got to tell you, I do appreciate you reaching out to have me on your show. But what I appreciate more are those phone calls and those texts that I get from you at random and vice versa, because it's always a joy to hear from you, my man. You know what? It's it's funny because so many people say, it's like, oh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. And uh, and then you never hear from that person again until the I next professional that. encounter right. uh, <laughs> at a conference or something. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, well, shouldn't yeah. we have stayed in touch? Let's try to do that next time. And then you never do. Right. Uh, you never got to worry about that with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I say it, I mean it. Exactly. And <laughs> me as well. And that's why I consider you a friend. And uh, and we've had some great chats off the record uh, over the years, I guess. Yeah. But what's, uh, what's moving and shaking in your world these days? Well, not much. Just still doing what I do as best I can over there at twit.tv and trying to keep the wheels from falling off my life. <laughs> no, I think just, everybody is saying the same thing, right? I mean, the, the world is so uncertain these days. You never know, especially me. I mean, I'm, I'm a fully entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and I don't know when I wake up what my day is going to look like. I mean, I've got right. some idea if it's going to be a slow day, I can pick up some projects and I can work on them. Right. But sometimes I'll wake up to emails in the morning and I got to just completely do a 180 and uh, yeah. forget about yeah. what I was planning for that day and focus on something else entirely. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot more on the production side of things with Twit and it's it's great. Uh, I'm glad I have that skill and capability to be able to do that. But at the same time, man, it's been busy because, you know, we do about 30 hours, if not more of content each week at the studio. And that's a lot of content. That's a lot of stuff to look over and help out with. And uh, yeah, it catches up with you some days as I, I get quite exhausted by Friday. And that's why I'm talking to you at eight in the morning, because I know <laughs> you're going to have most of your weekdays, even your weekends, I'm sure, uh, yeah. you get pulled into some project or another. Yeah, I'm actually going to be doing a news broadcast uh, after this this hangout with you. Um, so yeah, again, you just never know, brother. <laughs> you never know. Well, thanks for being here, and and we got some fun stories to uh, to get through. I, I think that it's going to be a recurring theme to constantly revisit the concept of AI imagery, and I don't want this to be the focus of every episode. But I think that there was a, a quandary that I wanted to bring up right at the at the forefront of this one. We've got three stories that mm-hmm. make up the first story. Mm-hmm. Uh, story number one is really the, the heavy hitter, but it's backed up by what we're seeing in the other two. And yep. that is that Adobe Firefly is way behind. This is reported by Petapixel. Uh, is it commitment to ethics or is the commitment to ethics to blame? And I think that Adobe has been trying really hard not to use images that it scrapes off the internet that have copyright attachments and entanglements. Uh, and I, I greatly admire and respect that approach. However, uh, when you see images from uh, Midjourney, which is now at version 5, Petapixel mm-hmm. also reports that a fake Facebook ad of a flying car made with AI image generator fools buyers. And we might get into some of those details, but it looks pretty darn realistic for a, a backyard uh, rusted out shell of some experimental 1970s flying car. Yeah. And then we have Samsung's photo remaster feature, horrifyingly gave teeth to an infant. So there's <laughs> there's a lot of uh, give and take on the uh, methodology with this whole AI imagery stuff. And ethics, I think, is a really important balancing factor here. Yep. What do you think about AI imagery? Because I haven't had you on since we came back. Mm-hmm. Before, like, before the, the podcast had uh, gone on hiatus, AI imagery really wasn't much of a thing. Now it's an avalanche. Where do you stand? Okay, I I have to make sure I'm very clear about this. I do not have a problem with uh, AI generated imagery um, because what I've been getting a lot of pushback on is this stuff is going to take away jobs. And I totally disagree with that. 
I believe that some of these AI tools can help enhance a creator's job and, and make things a little bit easier, a little bit more efficient. So they can continue to get more invoices paid instead of, you know, taking a long time on one. They've, they've done three invoices. Um, now, granted, there are some issues with AI generated images because the AI itself has to be trained and that's going to come at a cost yeah. to someone. Um, We've seen several stories of AI being used maliciously. We've seen several stories of AI just being mistaken. Uh, think about law enforcement, uh, with people of color uh, being recognized, quote unquote, as a suspect. And they wasn't a suspect. <laughs> it just the AI just saw yeah. bald black man, probably that same bald black man that robbed the liquor store the other day. no. It's just a different bald black man, you know, stuff like that. Well, and that brings up a, a point of, say, you mentioned like, uh, you know, police and, and, and the criminality aspect of it. And we've talked about this uh, on a previous episode where mm -hmm. certain jobs like a, uh, you know, a uh, criminal sketch artist. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, you say nobody's going to be out of a job. I think they're going to be out of a job because yeah. the skills required to input the exact verbal description of a potential perpetrator of a crime will generate a better, uh, more realistic outcome that can then be modified based on further input from a person in seconds and minutes rather than a longer time without a specific skill set. What if said sketch artist becomes a prompt writer instead of well, using the, 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 you're the, the right, charcoal but, and paper? Why but not I get into the prompts? I, I don't disagree with you, but I think that the skill of the artist mm -hmm. is not necessarily then utilized by the prompt yeah. writer. And the prompt writer can be a secretary in the yep. police office. It does. Yep. So you can have an overlap uh, yep. with those things. That was just my attempt at being devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. This is my attempt at it. But no, I, I, I do not have a problem with the generative AI stuff. Um, a lot of times you can create some images and further build upon those images with your own style and your own flair, if you will. Um, you know, we've talked about this on the network. Uh, I don't know how many times over the last several weeks, but think of like an, an, an ad agency or a particular brand that you wanted to work with. And yeah, they can go and generate something. Sure. But there's going to be a certain nuance that you as a creator can, can really dial in on said image that they necessarily can't because they, they number one, don't have that particular skill set. Um, they just write in the prompts. Um, everybody can't, everybody's not going to have the same skill sets, uh, skill level in Photoshop or illustrator or what have you. Because uh, it's, it's, it's it is what it is. But again, yep. the human factor of a creator, I think, is going to go a long way. Um, I like what Adobe has done with this and using images from from their Adobe stock that's been approved and, and cleared, if you will. Uh, I well, think and that's, let's that's understand the right that that, that can't just be uh, passed over because. I'm certain that somewhere in the contract that you signed with Adobe and the terms and conditions and all the legalese that nobody reads, mm -hmm. somewhere in there, I can virtually guarantee you that there's language that says that Adobe has access to your images for uh, AI learning and is using that data set to build their model around because they have then the legal authority to do so mm -hmm. rather than scraping the internet, which is what MidJourney and others are doing. Right. And the thing is that that jargon is in their terms of services, but it is also an opt out. Um, several weeks ago, Adobe got in trouble because people were thinking, hey, Adobe is stealing your information for it, for training AI without your knowing. And it was total bunk. Um, I don't know why that came out the way it did, but I guess that's just, again, the sensational media of today. But yeah. several months ago, in an update to the Creative Cloud service, I remember reading through, hey, what are we updating today with this app and with this service? And there was a little checkbox in there that's discussed. Uh, Adobe is going to access your information that you're uploading and being able to use it for algorithms or, or AI. I can't remember if it said AI or algorithms, but it, it basically said, we're going to look at your stuff. But if you check here, we won't look at it. And I don't think anybody read that. 
And I'm like, why didn't well, that come up in any of the news stories? Because when I went back and checked all of these these different stories and looked at my account, I clearly turned it off. So I saw it. Why didn't everybody else see it? <laughs> there's also the issue. Well, it's not an issue, but the, uh, the, the thing to note that yep. Adobe allows you to access beta versions of their software. I don't know if it's special yep. to my account, but I can open the Creative Cloud and I can get Photoshop beta. Yep. But I cannot turn off... Uh, the uh, the information that gets sent back to Adobe for quality control and for all of yeah, these but, things. But that's a typical beta program, right? This is true. Uh, but imagine that we're talking about image generation, which Photoshop mm-hmm. is an image generating tool. Right. And so what if Adobe is learning specifically about how we modify our images and using that as information to feed into the AI generating software because they have the ability and license to do that if you're using the beta and you can't uh, you can't get out of that. That's just the way betas work. But yep. that information and that the workflow and the tools that you use and the order in which you use them and how they are, are applied to an image and what the output is right. could potentially be. And I I'm not the the lawyer and I haven't read all the the stuff. But mm-hmm. Adobe could have a platform where they have access to information that allows them to more accurately over time with proper permissions mm-hmm. to create AI imagery. But therein lies the problem because mm-hmm. Adobe's Firefly, it's okay. It's maybe 10 steps behind MidJourney and others at this point. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they're all going to get better. But yep. I, I don't know if they are going to be able to have the momentum. I mean, th- they're still messing up faces. They can absolutely do nothing well with hands. Uh, and we'd seen that with mid That's, that's been with all of them. Stable diffusion and, and journey all better. of them the same way. It just takes time. <clears throat> And so, again, Firefly is just a few steps behind. I looked at some of the the examples in the Petapixel article, and some of them were just hilariously always wrong. Like feeding at the prompt, <laughs> woman taking a portrait of a man. And I'll, I'll describe, you know, I'll describe some of these. So in, in one case, in the first image, looks like the man and the woman are both holding parts of a camera and not like maybe trying to take a selfie, but it's not connecting. In another one... The woman is holding up the camera, pointing the lens at herself, looking like a vintage film camera. In another one, they got it right. There's a woman holding a camera and looks like there's a finger somewhere near a shutter button and she's looking almost through the viewfinder. And then there's a man and she is photographing up close the very back of his back head. Of his head. Uh, and okay, I mean, I'll, I'll stop there. there. There's more. You can go check them out. They're uh, pretty but funny. They, they, they are funny in, in the sense that you know, they're wrong and we can laugh at how wrong they are. Uh, and some of them are just horrible. Uh, check it out for yourself. See how this compares to what you've seen from other engines. I think it is behind. And I, I completely agree that it's behind because of its limited access to data to model the program after. And that to me is a problem. Because if you're behind, will you be consistently always behind? And thereby, you will be uh, the Corel Paint Shop Pro of the Photoshop world, Mm -hmm. right? You're you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to necessarily compete to the same level, and you're never going to get the same attention. And because the end product, the, the engine that generates it is then invisible once you get to the end product. So... Will it just disappear as a novel experiment because there's better tech out there? Ethics be damned. I okay. Here we go. Another devil's advocate attempt. <laughs> let's think about the world of smartphones, and let's go all the way back to the very beginning. We had all of these different Android smartphones that did this and did that and had, had all kinds of interesting capabilities and apps. And I don't forget about Nokia and BlackBerry before Android, too, right? Yeah, there's, yep, there's that. Um, those folks sort of faded away. But then along came Apple, quote unquote, late to the game with its iPhone. And for several iterations of the iPhone as well as iOS, uh, Apple was quote unquote behind, and uh, every time something was announced from Apple with an iOS update, how many times did you see in, in a comment or on a 
opposing headline that Apple is doing something Android has been doing for the last two years. I still hear that sometimes. Right. So it seems to be working quite nicely for Apple to be a little bit behind. Why? Because they're taking their time with it and potentially trying to refine some of the functionality that we've grown to get used to in the world of smartphones. And I think this could potentially be the same play for Adobe. I may be wrong, but I don't have a problem with them being behind, especially if they're trying to keep ethics squared away with this dirty stuff that we're seeing with all of the deep fakes and and the propaganda that's out there and the fake flying cars. I like that they're saying, you know, what, we're going to try to take the high road here. If we're behind a little bit, that's OK, because I think they're looking at the the, the, the long end of this and saying, you know what, in the end, we're going to be just fine because our images are going to work. Our images are not going to have people getting in trouble with copyright stuff and having Dom Kamareshka coming after them because they found the maple leaf in one, <laughs> one of their images. Yeah, oh, trust me, I deal with copyright <laughs> infringement on a regular basis. You know, so they're playing the long game potentially, right? So I, I don't have a problem with them being behind. Um, if you make I want a really good point those about other, the long game. Yeah, yeah. If I want to use those other tools, yeah, I can. They're available. Midjourney's out there. I don't particularly use it anymore because I don't want to pay for that. Um, so I use the stable diffusion and and um, all of its models here locally on my machine. And it's fun playing around with that. But uh, I'm the curious to see what I happens think, more. And I think you're completely right, uh, Ant, about the long game. Because a year, 10 years from now, They'll all be so good that they're they're going to be relatively indistinguishable, and I think that's a really valid point that you made because right now you can tell the difference, but mm-hmm. you won't necessarily be able to notice it in the future. Uh, again, they put different qualifications on things because if you were to ask Adobe Firefly to depict an image of Donald Trump getting arrested, it won't do that. Because it has issues where it's not going to depict criminals. Yeah. Um, And, uh, or alleged criminals, I I should, uh, you know, qualify that statement. But it will show you pictures of prisoners playing sports, uh, Mm. you know, outdoors. And so, you know, it says, okay, well, I'll do that, but I won't do this. And Mm. these ethics rules have to be fairly fine-tuned and refined. And I think the slower you go at this, the better it's going to be for everybody. Because if you use the old Facebook adage of move fast and break things, then yeah. you start to break trust in reality at yeah. that point. And I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. I'm not All a fan right. of that. Just like with Samsung and their photo quote unquote remaster feature. Yes, it clears up the snot running down the kid's nose. And, you know, there should be some respect for that feature because yep. as a parent, I've been there. You yep. don't always have a hanky handy when you're trying to take a picture or do you have yep. the time to do that? And I've Photoshopped that out before, mm-hmm. but I've never Photoshopped in teeth. Um, I, I don't think that's, uh, you got to draw hey, the line. You're just trying to get one <laughs> step closer to the empty nest. So go ahead and get those teeth growing. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so even Samsung trying their best to uh, to improve your images. We talked about their moon fiasco recently, how they're yeah. just substituting information. Yeah. And, um, you know, what, the thing is, once this becomes outrage, public outrage, then the court of public opinion decides what we deem acceptable and not. And obviously, this would be unacceptable. Um and it will change. And so we talk about that. We bring it to light. And and hopefully that these models will get refined and mature over time. But they are still in their infancy. And we are seeing them evolve in real time faster than I would have ever expected. Question for you. How often do you get to play with these, these image generators, these AI gen- image generators? Usually when a new version comes out, I'll plug in a prompt of some random stuff and, and see. Uh, like, I, I don't like compare it from one version to the next and see how it's mm-hmm. different. I, I kind of dip my toes in the water and, and just, uh, of course, if it's behind a paywall, uh, it's less easy for me to just tinker and experiment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that limits my availability to it, but I, I try. And at first I never wanted to touch it. Cause it's like, you know what? I, I got my own stuff with photography to deal with, yeah. but the intrigue is there because yep. it's not that I'm worried that I'm going to lose a job. Almost all of my work has to do with reality and 
yeah, documentary stuff. You know, I, if I started producing AI snowflakes, nobody would care about them because they wouldn't be real. Right. And I can't shoot for documentary films if it's not actually real footage. And so right. that, that part of my, my job is, is safe. Yep. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, for creating images of things that can never exist, like science fiction style, that's that. Those are the prompts that I play with mm-hmm. to come up with something like, uh, you know, a, a giant meteorite making uh, Neptune uh, explode or something, you know, that. <laughs> All right. So with that said, you have a prompt right there. You click generate and it pops up an image. You leave that same prompt in there. You click generate again. Does it create the exact same image? No. Never. It never does. (laughs) Even though it's supposed to, it never does. And that's what's happening with the stuff going on here with Samsung and all of the AI. It's it's a process of training. This stuff isn't going to get it right uh, the first time every time. It may not even get it right the second or third time, but they're working on it. And I think, again, I think I'm just becoming really, really jaded with our media and journalism of today and people are making stories out of nothing um yes this is horrible they put teeth on this on this image for this little infant but and i, I don't want to dwell on those were just backups yeah. that or yeah. uh, backup uh, <laughs> stories that illustrated what this technology can do it can um, do it it can be horribly that, that wrong we we're not really but we're still yeah. in the infancy of this yes it's been around for a couple of years but this stuff is still pretty daggum new and it's learning and evolving every single day because there's so much daggum information out here from it for it to learn from uh, because again and I hardly ever agree with Richard Stallman, but he said it best where these these artificial intelligence are not intelligent. They're pretty dumb. We're just feeding it stuff to regurgitate back to us. So we can't really call it intelligent for now. For uh, now, for now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to traditional media for a minute because this story probably is going to fly under a lot of people's radar. So I wanted to bring it to light. Uh, a company called Bebop buys Matavor Media, uh, including outdoor photographer and imaging resource. So Matavor Media owns a lot of uh, of uh, different photography-centric publications and music-centric as well, and, and many other things. Um, so they own Imaging Resource, which just about disappeared into the ether, and then Matavor scooped them up at the 11th hour, uh, Digital Photo Pro, and outdoor photographer. And I, I recognize the name because I've had mm-hmm. to send invoices to Matt of War because in April of last year, I was featured in Outdoor Photographer magazine. Mm-hmm. So I, I was associated with that that parent company name, even right. though a lot of people might not uh, be familiar. Right. And uh, they have been acquired by the music and theater-focused media platform Bebop Channel. And this concerns me. Because usually when one company buys another, stuff gets cut. It's Mm -hmm. almost a universal truth, right? You'll find the Mm -hmm. stuff that has been lagging that the original company did not want to cut that might not have been a profit leader, but it might have had some heritage and pedigree that they just kept on because it was part of their brand that they had built over a long time. And now that brand might not be as valuable to the new owner, Especially because Bebop was really interested in snapping up Jazz Times, which it calls one of the most iconic jazz magazines in the world, which was a Mat of War property. Mm-hmm. Where does that leave the photographic properties, the three that we mentioned? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're now owned by a music channel. I don't think that's good. What do you think, Ant? <laughs> I don't think it's good either, but... My question is, well, why would they even bother with the acquisition if they're just going to cut it? What what was the whole premise behind that? Uh, a lot of times here in the last decade or so, acquisitions have been aqua hires, uh, especially on the, the tech side of things. You, you you go in to acquire someone for the for the talent to apply that talent towards your product line. Uh, sometimes it was a natural merger where they kept both products there, but um I'm not sure what to think of this here. A, a music company. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally confused by this story. Yeah, I, I remember back in the day when MTV was literally music television and they just broadcast uh, music videos the videos entire time. Videos all day long. Then it turned into reality TV. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, MTV really doesn't mean music television anymore. Uh, but the Bebop channel uh, bought Mad of War for the music properties. And maybe it was, I have no knowledge of what the conversations were behind the scenes, but one can imagine it was an all or nothing type of acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to buy this, you got to take it all. And yeah. uh, so then they acquired everything that was uh, Mad of War Media. And if that's the case, yeah. I I really hope do uh, do outdoor photographer a favor, folks. Go out and buy a copy of the magazine because I'm sure that somebody in a corporate office somewhere is going to be taking a look at sale numbers in the next yeah. little while to see exactly yeah. where it fits. If you want these uh, photography, you know, let's call them the old guard. They're they're not mm-hmm. really going to be um, the the new cutting edge type of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be AI focused. It's not. It's going to be the traditional photographer's magazine, and mm-hmm. they might be in trouble. I'm not going to say they are, but if the right. sale numbers are continuing to slump year after year, and somebody's looking to cut the fat that really doesn't associate photography with their brand and their corporation, then we might have some troubles. Now they might just instead of canceling them out, uh, they might decide to uh, allow them to be purchased off as different entities, which I really wish would happen with DP Review. Uh, oh, I'm glad you brought them up. Mm-mm. Yes. So uh, we talked about that. I had Chris Nichols on uh, the last episode of Photo Geek Weekly. If you haven't watched uh, or listened to that episode, rather, uh, please go and give that a listen. Chris gave some great insights. and um, But but he's fairly close to that. And uh, me too, for that matter. I've been employed by, by DP All Review right. on a All number right. of occasions. Um, what, what do you think about what's going on there? Just a disappearance rather than handing it over to somebody else uh with the whole dp review thing i think it's just the where we are as a society on the on the photography side of things attention spans are so short now mr domcom um in the influencer market space has has made in my opinion made the attention span of people interested in any type of creative art so much smaller because they come on here and they tell you, all right, this is a new camera that just came out. It costs X amount of dollars. It can do this. It can do that. Go buy it in the story. And people are not necessarily hankering for the likes of the, the DP review where they really go in depth on what, what does it mean to have a backside illuminated sensor? You know, I, this, I love this knowledge, Ant. You and do. So you I, do. I, it was, but you it was, don't have the attention the span audience. of the current. You don't have the attention span of the current society now. You know, most people that are curious about getting into the creative arts, whether it be sketching, illustration, videography, photography, what have you. I hate to say it, man. Their, their attention span sucks. <laughs> so well, they're and that's not really why with with DP Review TV, they were able to to change that a little bit because yes, not many people are going to read a thirty page camera review. Mm-hmm. Um, but how many people are going to watch a you know five to fifteen minute YouTube video? Yeah. Um, with some antics and valuable information, yeah, uh, spliced in a way that is enjoyable. Yeah, he enjoyed, um, and they just had a great rapport on on the camera. It was fun to watch those guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're moving think, to Petapixel, so that's not going to go right, away. Right. And, and hopefully they'll keep that same charm going uh, right. and uh, be able to experiment a little bit more to that end. But if DP Review is disappearing, and then we've got Imaging Resource, again, Digital Photo Pro and Outdoor Photographer that people are looking at right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like Amazon was looking at DP Review and saying, okay, is this viable in 2023? And I sincerely hope that it is. I would, I've got some great connections with Outdoor Photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to be published with them again. If, if you're listening, please get in touch. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to take a look at, okay, so many things of the photography world that have lasted for, let's say, even generations. Look at popular photography. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, yeah. They they published me in, uh, in in one of their books that they had done uh, at some point in the past. And, you know, how many of these are going to disappear? How many new ones are going to show up? Do we reminisce and be nostalgic about the past? Do we ride the wave of whatever is next? Uh, I think somewhere in between. We kind of kind of got to do both if we can, if it's possible. 
If it's possible. <laughs> if it's possible. But I, hey, it might not be. I, I just think about um, just looking in, and again, I'm in a bubble. All right. I'm in a bubble here in, in Silicon Valley. And so technology is, is looked at totally differently versus where I came from in the Carolinas. Okay. And I go out and, and see teenagers with their cameras and whatnot. And every now and then they'll walk up on me while I'm out just leisurely shooting street photography because I had a few, few minutes of free time. And they always come up and they want the quick hitter on what's this megapixel? What's this lens? What's this? It's just bam, 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 bam. <laughs> not necessarily wanting to get into the craft behind it. Not necessarily yeah. wanting to get into, you know, well, well, why shooting at F8 works for this scenario versus shooting at, at F2.8, you know? And, or or what, like, what is the field of view that is going to make this scene work? Because what, what are you including or excluding in the scene that is part of the storytelling element? And, yeah. and that, that's far more important than, than the gear. But yeah. I, and I remember I was uh, doing art shows for a number of years. Uh, maybe I'll do them again, but they were really exhausting when you're spending a whole weekend out in the sun with a tent, with all of your artwork, trying to sell it to passersby. Yeah. Um, and lucrative, but exhausting. Yeah. But I'd get people that come by that are just looking for art for their walls. And I describe what the subject is, talking about how the image was created, not from a camera gear perspective, but from what right. the ingredients were and uh, and how everything was, was aligned. And yep. then they'd walk away with a print. Then I'd get somebody coming in and say, oh, wow, you must, must have a nice camera. Nice camera. I'm like, oh, okay, you can, you can move along. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to talk to you. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. It, 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 every, again, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of folks are wanting to get into the photography space, excuse me, get into the photography space. And, um, but they're not necessarily curious about the, the work and the, the inner, the, the stuff behind the scenes of why this works this way, why that scene will look better at this particular angle or point of view. And just like you said, it's all about, let me just get in here and just be a viral sensation, if you will. Ah, um, an influencer. Yes, yes. Influencer. And <laughs> I, I, I hate that's where we are, but but that's where we are in society, unfortunately. It is, well, folks like you and I are a bit of a, hate saying it this way, we're a dying breed. We are an anachronism, if you must refer to it that way, and I would <laughs> agree with you. Um, but hey, let's also talk about gear because the next story was one that was pretty interesting for me. Um, I've been harsh on Canon since they introduced mirrorless cameras with in-body image stabilizers, yet would not give photographers the ability to have sensor shifting high resolution modes. Yeah. And I use this all the time. This is a really practical tool for me because it removes the need to focus stack a lot of my images or to focus stack one to three frames rather than a dozen and mm -hmm. greatly simplifies my workflow. And so from F-Stoppers, will the Canon EOS uh, R5 soon shoot 400 megapixel images? And I'll read a little bit here. It's a, it's a, quick, um, a quick article by Alex Cook. Uh, recently, news broke that Canon is likely planning a significant firmware uh, for the EOS R5 later this year, including the high-resolution pixel shift mode. Now, it appears that the mode may offer a whopping 400 megapixels of resolution. So, in, in this uh, rumor, let's say, because this isn't officially announced, I think, by Canon, mm -hmm. um, it says that they are going to be combining nine shots to create a high resolution 400 megapixel image. And it's important to note that that is from a 45 megapixel sensor. Mm -hmm. So to break down the tech here a little bit, Panasonic uses eight images. Sony uses 16. Olympus has some weird modes that can use between five and, and, and more, but um, they're patent encumbered because somebody came to that idea first, shifting mm -hmm. a camera sensor around by eight and then quadrupling the resolution, that's perfectly fine. And there's a patent for that. Sony mm -hmm. gets around it a little bit more by shooting 16 images and processing differently and maybe having some better color fidelity. And there's probably a patent for that too. Mm -hmm. um, 45 times four is 360. That's mm -hmm. not 400, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think 
that Canon delayed the introduction of this feature because they didn't want to pay patent licensing fees, especially if you're doing it in a firmware update, because then you've got to pay huge amounts for the cameras that you have already sold. Mm-hmm. They've come up with a different way that takes nine images. Somehow some secret sauce massages that into mm-hmm. more than quadrupling the resolution of of the uh, the images coming out of the camera. Where do you stand on this kind of feature, especially being backfilled into products that have been on the market for a while? Well, you remember way back when, you know, about- You're talking about the 70? 20, 20 minutes ago, about 20 minutes ago, when we were talking about playing the long game and, and yeah. just sort of waiting it out. And I think this is part of that. Um, as, do you remember as you the 70 before, with Canon? Yes. They've done this before. Yes, they and, they vastly improved the performance with a firmware update halfway through that camera's life cycle. Right. So in in that, it gave that camera brand new life, literally, and it made it even a, a better value. And I think this is the same type of play for Canon right now. This, this was this this was clearly on the boards years ago in development, but. Again, you need to ride it out and go through all of the red tape and make sure everything's going to be okay. I mean, it also had other issues to deal with um, regarding the R5 um, back in its inception. So I, I'm, I'm totally fine with this coming out now and the way that they're working with it being a bit of a safer play for them and a benefit for everybody that already has these bodies out there. I, I also think that it's good to roll out some of these new features to existing camera bodies rather Mm -hmm. than premiering it on a brand new one Um, because people that have written reviews about the uh the r5 those reviews are set and done you're not going to redo those reviews based on new features correct but you can still get user feedback on those features so you can uh you can create it now let everybody play with it in a sandbox see what people do with it and then when the next big camera comes along you can have refinements to that feature that would be a big checkbox on a review list that says, okay, they got this feature right. Rather than rolling it out for the first time there, there's issues and everybody loves to point fingers at problems. This is Mm -hmm. a way to possibly avoid that, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Um, and, And again, even use this information for development on the next body that's coming out down the road so it, it's and there's always going to be a next one right, right. I mean, this, it's, is, this uh, is just smart for them in my opinion so uh, is there any feature on modern cameras right now from canon or nikon or i mean pentax is quite lacking we won't go there but on the bigger <laughs> brands um <laughs> That you that you feel could be improved? Like, is there a reason? I mean, you're adding features to older cameras. Is there a reason for you to go out and buy a new camera right now? I've been using the uh, the Lumix S1R for years. Right. And yes, they will come up with a new one. But I don't I, even know if I'm going to need to buy it right away. Right. I agree with you. And the I don't think anyone really needs to buy anything new if they already have something that's been... Uh, put out in the last three to four years because they're pretty set unless and i know you have a relationship with the folks at panasonic and lumens i did i no longer do so i can speak freely okay so i thoroughly enjoyed the lumens s5 a couple of years ago but it was so bad on autofocus that was the only thing that that it took that took me away from that body now the mark ii outstanding autofocus it's it's night and day so yeah if you're someone in that camp yeah this is when you're going to buy a new camera you got you want to stay in that same line with the l mount what have you sure now your body is updated you got much better autofocus buy that one but you're probably going to be set for quite a while because again everything else is at a fairly even playing field now from the across the manufacturers you can talk megapixels all you want you can talk color science all you want but in the end you're still going to get a high quality image regardless of the body that you shoot with and i think that's good for us consumers yeah you know i have made the analogy buying something every three years (laughs) uh van gogh's brushes and I mean, do you know, do you care what brand of brushes do you, do you care necessarily what, what they were made of? Uh, (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it was more about the artist than, than it was the tool that the artist was using and it had to be good enough Mm -hmm. when it passes that threshold, it kind of becomes ambiguous and and it doesn't really matter anymore. 
uh, I, I do worry with, with Panasonic, as you were mentioning them, that um, they've been doing a lot of very strong video-focused stuff, and, and as uh-huh. they should, because uh, the GH6 and and even the uh, the S5 II is going to have an X version that is you know really packing the heavy video features, and yep. that is what is selling for them. Yeah, um, Panasonic has always partnered with Leica. Uh, I shouldn't say always, but in in modern times, there's a partnership mm-hmm. there. Uh, and rumor has it that some of the Leica cameras are made in Panasonic facilities, and the partnership goes deep. But okay, didn't hear that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if you look at some of the the, the way things are manufactured, and um, I mean, Panasonic can put the Leica name on their Micro Four Thirds lenses, and uh, and and so that's that's a Leica product made by Panasonic, and so there's at mm-hmm. least that you know there's there's mm-hmm. a, there's a deep connection there, um, hmm. but I am I am concerned that the video focus is going to become the dominant focus. And in the past, you would have a like a the the Leica uh, SL2 was compared to the Lumix S1R. They had fairly similar internals, but when you've got the next generation of cameras, I worry that Panasonic is going to go more video and hybrid and leave Leica to the high end photographic camera. And why that worries me is because I want Panasonic to have that camera because it will be a fraction of the price of the Leica equivalent. And if Panasonic stops making it, I don't want to have to pay $6,000 or more for a camera body. All right. So again, I'm going back in time, Mr. Domcom. (laughs) (laughs) Today's society wants these dadgum TikTok videos. They want these short YouTube videos. Um, to talk about whatever they want and they want a camera body that's going to do it really, really well and efficiently and, and, and at a value cost beyond using a smartphone. And it makes total sense to me that Panasonic as well as Sony continue to focus more here recently on the video side of things. Sony just announced the ZV-E1 uh, yesterday. Yeah, that was announced today or yesterday. Um, I didn't put that in the story rundown because we already had the stories picked out, but we'll be talking about that, I think, next week. Yeah, Yeah. it's a full-frame, quote-unquote, vlog camera. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) These manufacturers... There's a market for it. Right. It's clearly a market for it. Again, you and I, my man, we're not old. We're old-ish. But we're definitely old school. <laughs> we're old ing, yes. The, the new school, they, yeah, they want to be able to snap some stills here and there. But what comes first is, hey, can I shoot 4K 60 frames a second if I need to? Can I shoot 4K 120 frames a second if I need to? That's that's what's selling today, man. And, and Panasonic is like, you know what? It's about profit. <laughs> we yeah, well, yeah, they're in the business to make money, <laughs> not to make art, right? Right. <laughs> So I, I, I totally get it. It's just the way the wind's blowing, my man. That's how it goes. And the wind blows in an interesting direction for our final story. From DIYphotography.net, back circling around to the uh, AI thing, I wanted to put that in this mm-hmm. episode while I still had it hot on my mind. Mm-hmm. Levi's, the jeans brand, they make all sorts of clothing now, of course, um, is using AI-generated models, quote-unquote, to sell clothes instead of real humans. And Alex Baker wrote this, um, the denim brand Levi's will be using AI models to showcase and sell their clothes. In an announcement, the company stated that they'll be partnering with AI Amsterdam-based uh, digital model studio, lalaland.ai. And they state uh, that Levi's has said that the move is in order to boost diversity and sustainability using quote, hyper-realistic oh, models of, quote, every body type, age, size, and skin tone. And what say you? Look here, dude. You want to sit here and boost diversity? How about you go and hire some diverse freaking models, Levi? You got the cash. This is total bull. This is someone in a suit uh, thinking they're making the right decisions, and, and it's all about profits. And I get you're here to make money, but don't go out here and say, you know, we're trying to boost diversity. You're not. There are plenty of models out there that that you, I'm sure you can afford. There are some some models that are going to, be, going to be very very expensive. I get it because they've earned that rate. Okay. Yep. But 
you could still hire someone at a lesser rate and still have someone be uh, have them be a person of color or certain body size and type and so forth. Uh, so, Levi, you're full of crap on this one. So I'm done with you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, w- would it be unethical if you wanted to show diversity by showing an amputee model? But then taking a perfectly fully bodied model and then photoshopping off half an arm would, would that would that be ethical? <laughs> Jeez, oh, you you know th- this this is sort of like you're, you you want to generate somebody with a particular feature uh, set. Man. Then I it's just you use real people that have those features. You don't yeah. fake it in any yeah. way uh, by modifying a real person and changing their skin skin color, yeah. or by using the um, uh, the liquify tool in Photoshop to change their right. waist size in to or out them, to blow uh, them or pinch them. <laughs> yeah, them. I, you just get the person that you want. There are modeling agencies out there. There are models that are working for these jobs, and there are yep. photographers also working for those jobs as well. You're yep. destroying industry when you do this and try to normalize it. You know, again, I, I know businesses exist to make profit. I get that. They're not, businesses do not exist to make statements. And, and if they try to tell you that, they're full of it. Um, but at the same time, you can go hire somebody and do these jobs at a, at a rate that you're happy with and that they would be happy with as well. There's plenty of, there's billions of people on this planet that could pose for you. All they need is direction. That's it. Yeah. And a good photographer can provide that. Uh, And and it's been the status quo. And I really want, when I'm seeing another human being that is trying to model a product, that should be a real human being and Mm -hmm. not an AI creation. And to that end, uh, I am going to boycott the Levi brand. And yeah. any brands associated, I don't know if they've got a parent company, I haven't looked into it, but mm-hmm. I'm going to put that off of my shopping list yeah. uh, until this gets changed. Because we as citizens of the planet can vote with our wallet. That's and if right. we consider this to be a pile of crap, and I think that it is, <laughs> then we can we can say, all right, well, I'm done with you and we can carry on. And there's lots of, this is not, uh, they make jeans, they make clothes. Lots of companies do both of those things, and yep. I think I could be satisfied for life if I never bought another one of their products. Amen, uh, it's a dangerous slope to go on when you think you have this uh, high ground that you try to purport some higher level of morality to boost diversity and sustainability while maximizing profits. Well, that's going to come back and bite you in the butt, Levi's. Okay. Oh, gosh. I love me a good Dom Comrade. <laughs> uh, I, I I hate that I have to give them sometimes, but there there we go. Oh man! Let's uh, before we get into the picks of the week, and where, mm-hmm. where can people find you online? Where can people reach out, say hi, see what you're doing, give you a high five and and uh, positive comments and and a, a a good voice forward to whatever the next project is. Sure, you can still find me on the social media platforms. I am Ant underscore Pruitt over on Twitter as well as over on Instagram. Um, I use them, you know, a certain way, if you will. But if you ping me there, I, I will more than likely get back to you and look forward to hearing from you. So yeah, Ant underscore Pruitt there on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also on the Fediverse. Uh, I am Ant underscore Pruitt at twit.social. That's our twit mastodon. Lovely. Make sure that you get that uh, Mastodon link to me because I don't think I had that in your previous uh, bio on the website. Um, and uh, why, why don't we get into your pick of the week first? Because this seems like it would be incredibly useful to a certain subset of photographers. Yeah. Uh, my pick of the week is I never really know how to pronounce this daggum thing. Uh, Sateshi? Sateshi? I think think Sateshi. Sateshi, maybe? But okay, we got it. S-A-T-E-C-H-I. I saw this one after I I got my doc, because I recently got a new M2 Mac Mini. I finally moved off of Windows and went into the Mac uh, ecosystem. How do you find that ecosystem shift? What was that shift for you? 
Uh, it's been a little painful, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. My problem has always been with the Apple side of things is they have great hardware, but not enough ports. And yep. the the Mac mini was something that I was interested in for, for years, but it only had like three ports on it, if that. And it's just not useful for me. So with the new M2 Pro Mac mini, it gave me a couple more ports. So I said, yeah, I give it a look and just went ahead and bought one. But it still wasn't enough. So I saw this dock that's similar to this one here, the Satoshi. I sort of wish I've gotten this one, but mine is a, a, a little less expensive, but still the same thing. It allows you to have some additional USB-A ports as well as um, SD card readers uh, because Mac doesn't seem to have those on them anymore. But right, when you say SD card having... readers, that's plural. You get a micro and a full on this right. thing. You get three USB-A 3.0 ports. You get a yep. USB-C 3.0 port uh, and an audio jack as well. Yep. So that you, know, you can just, yep, get yourself all plugged in nicely to some traditional speakers if that's what you got. Yep. But the kicker, DomCon, is the added expansion for storage you can put on here. You can get yourself an SSD or an M.2 um, SSD and plug it into this dock and it will expand the storage on your Mac. Because, again, they only sell them in limited quantities as far as uh, their storage space. You get like half a terabyte, one terabyte. And the price is pretty significant, where if you just go out and buy an additional SSD, you can save yourself a couple hundred bucks, which is what I did. Granted, it's not going to be as fast as an onboard um, SSD on the Yeah, it, Mac it Mini. says it's not compatible with the NVMe uh, SSDs, only with the um, M.2 SATA SSDs. Right. So it's great for longer term storage. But if yep. you need to like uh, be installing apps and uh, and have access to like 8K video footage and stuff, you still probably want to have that internal to the yep. Mac Mini. But yep. still, more storage is great. More storage is great. I'm I'm literally just I literally have mine as just offloaded some stuff. You know, I'm not trying to edit from it, if you will. But it's just giving me more space to to dump some junk over there. And again, it gives me more ports. That was the main thing. You get more ports, and it fits perfectly under your Mac Mini, and just gives Purpose it another designed for this. It looks right. like it's a part of the original design to begin with. Right. And it's, it's a beautiful design. I love it. And fairly, fairly inexpensive, about a hundred bucks for this little mini hub with the USB-C connection. Yeah. 103.99 uh, US. And, you know, there's something to be said for a good hub, a good dock, because mm -hmm. I've had poor ones in the past and I've spent, you know, moderate money. I mean, not like top dollar for a, a USB hub only to have it kick out on me after, you know, three or four weeks. And then the ports oh. just become unreliable because, you know, the processor inside was never properly heated. Um, this oh. looks like it is really well designed or properly cooled, I should say. Uh, I don't think you're going to have any issues with this. This is no. uh, purpose designed for exactly this use. Yep. Love it. Absolutely love it. Oh, and the ratings, you know, there's 1100 ratings, four and a half stars. So, you know, people are uh, voicing their <laughs> opinions quite positively in favor of this item. If you got a Mac mini, um, one of the new ones, this is something that I think you need. Um, and I think that is such an underrated machine too. The Mac mini M2 chipset is, is such an underrated machine. I, I'm really enjoying the speed of mine. Uh, I only have 16 gigabytes of RAM because again, I'm on a, I was on a limited budget and, but I needed something. And even with the 16 gigabytes of RAM, because of how Mac OS is, 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 is wired, if you will, or, or coded, it's so daggum efficient. Um, whether I'm in Premiere Pro, whether I'm in DaVinci Resolve or Photoshop Lightroom, it, it, I haven't had any issues with it just sort of chugging and slowing down. It's been outstanding. Well, uh, my pick of the week is more expensive and uh, <laughs> potentially potentially less useful depending on what, what you need. Um, it might not help your productivity, but it will possibly help your artistry. Now, a while back, I picked up one of these devices called a microfogger. And uh, I got version one, the, the original mm -hmm. one here. And uh, basically what it is, 
is it's, it basically uses vaping technology to vaporize vegetable glycerin and I can press a little button and I can immediately generate as much smoke as I need uh, for a macro photo setup or you know any creative endeavor that might require some amount of, of atmosphere to it. And I figured mm-hmm. it was really cool because it's handheld, battery powered, easy to work on. Yep. And I was doing a course recently uh, recommending some of these little gadgets to students. And I realized, well, they stopped making it, but they're making newer, more improved versions of it. They're up to the Microfogger 4 Pro. It's listed at a price of $230. I'm not sure if that's US. It likely is. Um, Looks like and US. It, it looks quite a bit improved. Uh, in fact, it looks like the nozzle actually has threads on it. So you could attach it to a tube and be very carefully positioning where the other end of that tube is, which I would be, a, a, I'd find quite valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the internals are. It looks like it might still charge by the same mechanisms, but they've made it better than the one that I have right now. And so I want to recommend this microfogger to you if you shoot anything that requires atmosphere. At any scale other than filling a forest full of fog, um, you know you want to <laughs> you you want to make a, a slightly smoky room, or you want to like pretend that a cigarette is lit when it's not uh, indoors because of whatever regulations that you have uh, to to follow as a result. Uh, if you want to add smoke flowing across a flower, uh, okay. this is the tool. This is exactly the tool that you need the microfogger and now up to the four pro it says that they're available on back order with a three-week lead time so that means they must Mm. be in some level of demand yeah clearly Um, but uh and and i I can understand why i've got the earlier version it works wonders and you can program it you can adjust the uh, the voltage output which then uh you know uh, figures out how much or or little uh smoke to output if i were to really crank this up how, how high mm-hmm. can I can I bring this? I'm, I'm going to try to. Uh, this one will go all the way up to. Uh, it still keeps going up. Uh, <laughs> is it 80 watts. 80 wow. watts of power in my hand here. What wow. does 80 watts give me? Oh, it dies. The battery's dead. Okay. Nope. Well, uh, can't can't <laughs> demo that for you, Ant. Uh, well, I haven't charged this, this thing in forever. Maybe the version four can put out power. Let me ask you this with the fog liquid, because that's something that's going to have to be replenished. Is this proprietary liquid or is it? No, it it is vegetable glycerin. This is general stuff, super inexpensive. It's what a lot of smoke machines will use unless they're using dry ice or something more exotic. But yeah, vegetable glycerin is super easy to get. Very inexpensive, common, universal, no questions. You don't have to go back and, and buy their secret sauce. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there is a, a heating coil in there that, you know, might have to be replaced over time. And I don't know if that's proprietary, but uh, it, the, the fuel itself is is nominal. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Photo Geek Weekly. I want to thank you again, Ant, for being on the show. It's always great to have conversations with you, whether or not it's on public airways or otherwise. Uh, it's enjoyable <laughs> time one way or the other. Um, any parting words? Uh, well, thank you for having me again, my man. And, and like you said, it's always just great to talk to you and, and hang out with you publicly <laughs> or not publicly. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. But yeah, folks, uh, as I mentioned earlier, give, give me a follow and check out me, check out my content over on social media or just go to my show and check us out uh, with the Twit Network. My show is called Hands on Photography where I enjoy uh, trying to help people become better photographers and post processors with little bite-sized tips and tricks. And every now and then I get fine folks like Mr. Don come on and pick their brain, um, which his episode is probably one of the more popular ones where he dissects macro photography and goes into all of the ins and out of his process. And it's so daggum cool. So check it out. Twit.tv slash H-O-P. And that's for hands-on photography. And I just want to compliment you on how you put that show together because you try to pack as much information into the shortest period of time, also without it feeling rushed. Uh, I try. Boy, it's hard. I try. Because <laughs> <laughs> look here, Mr. Domcom. I'm a Southerner, so I, I already speak slowly. That that's That's my first problem. But I, I try to challenge myself. All right, 15 minutes or less. Let's see if I can get it done. 
And I think everybody has 15 minutes in a day, in a week. I mean, it's weekly, right? That it's you can weekly, dedicate so. to go and, and, and check that out. Uh, I, I know that I, I don't catch every episode, Ant, but I've watched a good number of them and uh, I appreciate it. You know, it's uh, it's knowledge. You, and, and as an artist, we're always growing. If you've stopped growing, you've stopped trying to grow. That's it's right. It's not because you got perfect. It's because you just gave up. That's uh, right. And shows like the stuff that you produce show me completely different avenues that I haven't walked down myself, and I might not, but they give me mm -hmm. ideas and they inspire me, and everybody should go check out Hands-On Photography. Thank and thanks you, to man. everybody. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks to the listeners for hanging on for another hour of Photo Geek Weekly. Appreciate you uh, you listening and the feedback that I get. I mean, I don't publicly uh, state the comments that I get in my inbox, but I'm glad for those of you that keep sending it in. Please keep doing that and keep listening. But now it's time to get out and shoot. Music